You're listening to Superpower Curiosity with Dr. Richard Gillette. And I'm Molly Ruth, producer for the podcast. Superpower Curiosity Season 1 is about divisions and how to get past them. Richard writes all about this in his book, It's a Freaking Mess, How to Thrive in Divisive Times. For this episode, Transcending Divisiveness Makes You Happy, Richard reads an excerpt from his book. Here's Richard. Transcending divisiveness makes you happy. We can change our state by changing our focus from stressful fight-flight emotions to the elevated and happier emotions of open-heartedness. We may have some resistance, however, to taking this step toward happiness. We may be habituated to living in stress, accustomed to the excitement of emergency mode, or addicted to the heat of anger or the trepidation of fear. Of course, it's important to feel engaged, but this doesn't have to involve fight-flight emotions. Engagement without enragement is a much cooler arrangement. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having emotional reactions to the events in our lives. It's natural to experience anger when things don't go according to plan. By fully accepting ourselves with all our feelings, including our anger, we are acting with kindness and respect towards ourselves. Full acceptance of our feelings is often helpful in letting them go. And this is useful, since a key to our well-being is our ability to move on from the emotional reverberations of the past. When chased by a dog, a deer runs and bounds with terror-driven speed. Three minutes later, this same deer is calmly chewing grass and enjoying the pleasant sunshine. The deer does not hold on to angry judgments about the dog, probably because deer just don't do judgments. These creatures may sometimes be judged by us because they do not think as we do. But perhaps we can learn something from the deer's example of emotional dexterity. Habits of feeling. Emotional habits of fight-flight are so powerful that we can actually use political and other external situations to feed our addiction to stress, drama and anger. Of course, we don't usually realize we're doing this. But if we have this common tendency and can recognize it, we have more power to choose differently. We are less likely to be sabotaged by our less-than-useful habits when we can see them coming. Habits tend to last for a lifetime. This can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the habit. The great thing, or terrible thing, about habits is that it is easier to follow a well-worn path than make a different one. Putting this in neurological terms, the more you fire and wire electrical circuits in your brain through repetition of particular thoughts, feelings or actions, the more you create electrical highways in which these patterns of thinking, feeling, action move with ease and speed. Changing from a habitual pattern to a new pattern takes extra effort initially, though once the path is beaten, it becomes easy.
Most personal change requires changing habits. As the Greek philosopher and brilliant psychologist Epictetus said nearly 2,000 years ago, whatever you would make habitual, practice it. And if you would not make a thing habitual, do not practice it, but accustom yourself to something else. It's easy to get caught in a habit of stressful feelings, a habit of using the fight-flight response to get things done, and to feel a certain kind of highly charged energy. The negative side of this you already know. The long-term secretion of stress hormones is associated with the many varieties of fearful and angry feelings, with judgmental and divisive thinking, with separation between self and other, and ultimately with poor health. The trap is that the more we practice this kind of reaction, the easier it is to repeat it. In fact, our responses can become so automatic that we stop thinking we have any choice. But we do have a choice. We can, instead, practice a different set of emotions, the elevated emotions, like curiosity, wonder, compassion, calmness, warmth, contentment, inspiration, gratitude, care, love, humility, kindness, and respect. If this list seems like a lot to practice, the good thing is that all these qualities enhance each other. You only have to practice one for the others to grow. Practicing Elevated Feelings If you have heard most of the chapters of this book, you will already have seen or practiced some of the elevated qualities. For example, curiosity in chapter 10 and compassion in the exercise on seeing from the other's point of view in chapter 13. Both curiosity and compassion are powerful antidotes to the pain of otherizing and divisiveness. Curiosity reduces otherization because the curious person becomes interested in understanding the other's point of view. Understanding dissolves judgment. Compassion reduces otherization because compassionate people make a connection with human hearts, and this takes precedence over differences in belief. In the scientific literature, what I'm calling elevated emotions are usually referred to as character strengths or signature strengths. Qualities like curiosity and compassion or empathy have been measured and several statistical studies have shown a correlation of these character strengths with greater happiness and life satisfaction. When we are curious, problems get reframed into the fun of puzzle solving. When we are compassionate, we can feel the beautiful warmth of human connection, even at times of loss and hurt. Beyond these specific correlations, there is something else that is harder to define. All the elevated feelings are connecting rather than separating. When there is no the other in our mind against whom we contract with fear or anger, the elevated emotions arise naturally and bring us to a feeling of connection and expansion. And this is a joy to experience. How do we get to these elevated feelings that are correlated with peacefulness and happiness? 
Many people think that they just don't have some of these qualities. But everyone has these qualities naturally. Curiosity, compassion and kindness, for example, are foundational human instincts. To experience these qualities more often, all that is required is practice. The more we practice them, the easier it gets to feel their benefits and the more ingrained they become. And when they become ingrained, they begin to feel natural. You can practice any of the elevated feelings. Google any of them and you will find all kinds of advice on how to practice them. However, there is one elevated feeling that is perhaps the easiest of all to develop, and that can be seen as a kind of shortcut to all the elevated feelings. Gratitude. Developing gratitude. When as a kid I was told to be grateful, I'd dutifully mumble thank you. This did not lead to any elevated feelings. But when, as an adult, I had an open-hearted experience of gratitude, I realized that the feeling of gratitude had profound and exquisite dimensions, which were quite new to me. As I experienced the soft warmth of thankfulness, I felt bathed in an indefinable mixture of contentment, kindness, and love. It was such a beautiful feeling that I then felt deeply thankful for this gift of gratitude. Gratitude dissolves the unpleasant experience of otherizing, resentment, and anger. It is actually impossible to feel gratitude and the anger-fear-stress response at the same time. This is because we have a choice of focusing on what we don't have, leading to resentment and otherizing, or focusing on what we do have, leading to gratitude. We cannot travel in both these opposite directions simultaneously because the brain can focus on only one thing at a time. When we focus on what we don't have, or on what others have taken away from us, we tend to feel disappointed, sad, envious, jealous, or angry. And then we tend to blame others for what we think is their part in our deficit. In short, we hold a subliminal grudge that otherizes certain people or otherizes life in general. And we feel an unhappy aversion to anyone who we think is not giving us what we believe we are missing. When we focus on what we do have, on the other hand, we feel a connection between ourselves and this perceived gift from life. There is a sense of oneness rather than otherization. Experiencing life's abundance, we feel happier. The best-selling author Sarah Ban Brithnach put it this way, Both abundance and lack exist simultaneously in our lives as parallel realities. It is always our conscious choice which secret garden we will tend. The joy that emanates from the quality of gratitude has been stated by many spiritual writers and philosophers. In the early 1900s, author and philosopher G.K. Chesterton wrote, Thanks are the highest form of thought. Gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. The writer David Steindl Rast concurs, It is gratitude that makes us joyful, he writes. 
More recently, such statements have been backed by statistical research. In one such study, subjects were asked to keep a diary once every day for two weeks. They were randomly assigned to one of three groups. Group 1 wrote about matters they were grateful for. Group 2 wrote about problems and hassles they encountered, while Group 3 wrote just ordinary descriptions of things that happened during the day. All participants were measured on a happiness scale before the experiment, and then again after the two weeks of writing. The happiness level in the gratitude group grew a significant 25%, whereas the other two groups showed no increase on the happiness scale. Many years ago, I witnessed this effect in a 27-year-old man who consulted me because he felt suicidal. In contrast to his suicidal thoughts, he described to me several matters that had gone exceptionally well for him in the past week. Wondering about the reason for this discrepancy, I asked him if he kept a diary, and when he replied in the affirmative, I asked him what kinds of things he wrote about. He replied, I write about my problems, the things that went wrong in my childhood, all the things I feel bad about. When I suggested that writing about what went wrong might be feeding his depressive thoughts, he disagreed. But this is what I've been taught to write about. What I've understood from psychotherapy is that you have to get rid of the bad stuff, put it out in the open. Rather than argue with him, I asked him if he would be willing to try an experiment. For one week, write every day in his journal about everything that went well his positive experiences, his moments of joy, his strengths. When I saw him a week later, he smiled and said, I can hardly believe it. I feel great. It's like I've been celebrating all the good things in my life. I've had no suicidal feelings. You know, I'm determined to continue what I started this week. I'm going to record the good things in my life. Two years later, I happened to meet this man informally, and he told me that he had continued to focus on what went well for him, and that he'd had no recurrence of depressive or suicidal thoughts. In January 2005, Time magazine ran a cover story on positive psychology, including the contribution of the psychologist Martin Seligman. Following this, thousands of people registered on a website which had been created by Seligman and his colleagues at the Positive Psychology Center in the University of Pennsylvania. The website offered one free exercise, which involved writing down three things that went well during each day for one week. Of the thousands who did this exercise, 50 were severely depressed before the exercise, as measured on depression and happiness questionnaires. After the exercise, 47 of these 50 became significantly less depressed and much happier, as measured on the same depression and happiness questionnaires. This alleviation of suffering, and 47 out of 50 is an amazing result, occurred after nothing more than writing down three things that went well at the end of each day. In his book, Thanks, How the New Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier, 
The psychologist Robert Emmons shows that gratitude is also correlated with better health, higher performance, and improved relationships. Gratitude appears to be an antidote to resentment, bitterness, and greed, as well as to depression. And it is associated with joy, optimism, enthusiasm, and connectedness. All these associations are statistically verified. In addition to being correlated with all these measurable positives, gratitude leads us very naturally to other elevated qualities. When we feel more gratitude, we experience the pleasure in a sense of personal abundance and the recognition, therefore, that we have something to give. And that leads us to kindness. With gratitude, any grudge about how we think we've been treated unfairly in our lives is replaced with contentment about what we have received. Therefore, divisiveness dwindles. Without divisiveness, we are more compassionate. With compassion, we want to know what is going on for the other. We develop curiosity. And with curiosity comes greater humility, because we realize how much we do not know. Humility, in turn, leads back to greater compassion, for with more humility we can listen with fuller presence, without condescension, or thinking we know what's wrong and how it should be fixed. In such ways, gratitude leads us into a whole matrix of elevated feelings. All of them are antidotes to otherizing, and all of them are pleasurable. These qualities tend to augment each other in upward spirals of joyful engagement. Gratitude is the magic carpet to the elevated feelings. Exercise. Practice gratitude. Here is the super simple and time-honored way of developing more gratitude. Before going to bed, take five minutes each evening to write down at least three things that went well that day or that you are grateful for. The items you write down may seem to you to be small or large. It doesn't matter. Here's what I wrote in my gratitude journal one evening just before turning the lights out for sleep. Thank you for the feeling of peacefulness as I looked at the sky this morning. Thank you for the woman in ShopRite saying hello so brightly. Thank you for that chocolate with hazelnut butter. Thank you for the beautiful tree outside my window. Here are a few more examples that friends have shared with me. Feeling the warmth of the sun, looking at the rain that enables all the plants to grow, being able to walk, electricity, completion of a mundane task, an experience of clarity, hot water to bathe in, a moment of kindness, a home in which to shelter, the beauty of a flower, a bowl of soup, a smile of recognition. Transcending divisiveness makes you happy. By practicing elevated emotions, you're likely to become more effective in your dealings with other people. Those around you will pick up your state of mind and, through natural human empathy, will reflect your state back to you. The less you are driven by the stress hormones, the less they will be. 
The kinder you are, the kinder they will be. There is no guarantee of this, of course, since other people make their own choices. But we always retain power over our own thinking and feeling. Whatever may be happening in the country we live in, and however aggravating may be our environment. When we work toward transcending divisiveness and reducing our own anger-fear responses, letting go of the contraction of battling the other, then something magical happens. Our hearts find the space to open to the pleasure of curiosity, compassion, gratitude and kindness. And each of these elevated qualities leads to yet more joy. Thanks for listening to Superpower Curiosity with Dr. Richard Gillette. Our last episode of the season is in two weeks, so make sure you're subscribed now. Do you have a comment or a question for Richard? Get in touch at any time at superpowercuriosity at gmail.com. You can also follow Richard on Facebook. Find his social media icons at the very bottom of the page at superpowercuriosity.com. And a big thank you to everyone who has reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. Conruth108 says, Enjoyable and substantive. Dr. Gillette is a pleasure to listen to. He is articulate and has a delightful sense of humor. However, what I find most compelling in the Superpower Curiosity podcast is the substance of what he discusses. He presents fundamental principles in concrete terms that I can take in easily, and then provides practical steps I can actually do to reduce the frustration I feel from the divisiveness of the times. Dr. Gillette is right. Becoming curious to gain perspective is more fun than being angry. And I really resonate with the practice of consciously choosing to move forward more connectedness when I find myself with someone who holds views that differ from mine. I wholeheartedly recommend this podcast. Mm, thank you so much, Conruth. Till next time, everyone. Stay curious. Stay curious.